Hi everyone, my name is Gabriel and this is the Hour of the Raven, your channel for everything Ravenloft, RPG, Dungeons and Dragons and horror. Today we will uncover the secrets of Falkovnia, revealing the horrors and dangers that lurk in this brutal and violent domain. Before we start, I would like to remind everyone that this video will be focused on Falkovnia from the classic Ravenloft setting, and you will consider the events and characters that existed in the domain prior to the reboot of Van Richten Guide to Ravenloft. At the end of my video coverage of the Falkovnia from the classic Ravenloft setting, I will make some considerations and comparisons with the new version of Falkovnia in the Van Richten Guide to Ravenloft. Unfortunately, Dark Lord Vlad Drakov of classic Falkovnia was not included in the new book Van Richten Guide to Ravenloft, and instead a new version of the character Dark Lord Vladeska Drakov was inserted. If you are interested in the classic Drakov Dark Lord stats and update for Dungeons Dragons 5th edition, I recommend you take a look at the version of Vlad Drakov created by Mist Factor Press in the DMs Guild. Mist Factor Press is on a project to update all Dark Lords and domains to the 5th edition of Dungeons & Dragons, and create a complete book of Dark Lords. They are also making available individual Dark Lords and domain books, releasing a new Dark Lord every Monday, and the book about Vlad Drakov and Falkovnia is already available on the DMs Guild. Finally, before we begin, I would like to warn you in advance that Falkovnia is a brutal realm of human horrors, where the very evil and cruel nature of humanity is exposed in the light of Rivenloft's dark fantasy and gothic horror. Are you ready? Captured, imprisoned, enslaved, and branded with hot iron, we are put to work repairing a bridge in a road in the middle of a dense forest. Only one day goes by in this painful activity, when, from the woods, arrows hit the soldiers who are watching us. The soldiers are defeated by the attack of a group of rebels, the Freemen of Falkovnia. We are released from our shackles, and the rebels take us with them to one of their secret havens. There, the rebel leaders share with us the secrets of Falkovnia. Falkovnia is home to many dark secrets. Some of these secrets are of supernatural and mystical origin, coming from outer planes of the unfathomable cosmos. But most of Falkovnian horrors and secrets are derived from human cruelty and intolerance. The tyranny of Drakov is reflected in his military rule bloody past and oppressive regime. Many have lost everything at the hand of Falkovnian soldiers, and saw relatives and loved ones tortured, abused and murdered by the blood hands and blades of Drakov and his soldiers. So much hatred and suffering has germinated fruits among the population, and currently the Falkovnian army is facing three separate rebel insurgencies in its territory. One of the insurgencies is carried out by monstrous humanoid creatures known in the folklore as kobolds. These reptilian creatures organize themselves into a group called the Spawn of the Lizard, and are led by a kobold who calls himself the Basilisk. These monsters lurk in the tunnels of the crumbling hills 
and terrorized the rural areas of Falconia, setting traps, making surprise attacks, and looting supplies. Among the humans, the Shadow Insurgency is led by Gondagal, a mighty warrior. Gondagal hails from the far world of Faerun, and it was his ambition to be a conqueror and king by the strength of his sword. He led an insurgency and conquered the city of Arel and the adjacent regions in the lands of Comier, rebelling against King Azun and declaring himself a king. Gonegal's reign was short, and recognition of his power as a king went as far as the reach of his sword. After his forces were defeated by the armies of Comier, Gonegal retreated with a group of his most loyal men into a misty swamp to regroup and consider his next step in the war. Of the swamps where Gondagal followed with his men, none ever returned. For decades in Comir, many feared the return of Gondagal, the lost king, and he became a local legend. The truth, however, is that the mist carried Gondagal to the lands of Falkovnia, where the dark powers conspired to be two conquering warlords against each other. Although he first admired the strength and order that Drakov imposed on his troops, he soon realized the horror of Falkovnian life. Unable to find a way back home, he accepted the challenge of fate and intended to dethrone Drakov to become king of Falkovnia. His insurgency was unsuccessful and Gondagal's forces were defeated by Drakov. Gondagal managed to escape death and torture at the hands of his enemies, crossing the border into Darkon. In the lands of the rival nation of Falkovnia, he hoped to find allies to support his plans of conquest, but his presence did not go unnoticed by the Kargat, and Gondagal found himself surrounded by hungry vampires. Drained of his life force and powers, he lost consciousness and awaited death but somehow he was saved and spared of an existence as the undead. He awakened under the care of squires of the knight Elena Vladinova, a member of the Order of Knights known as the Circle. Gondegal was moved by Elena's words and teachings, and decided that he needed to change his life. He asked Elena for a chance to join the Order, and was accepted as a member of the Circle. Over the years, the Conqueror Warrior has become a Knight of the Shadows, dedicated to the cause of justice. Although he never fully regained his power as a warrior, he rose within the Order, and in 751 he underwent the ceremony of final ascension, becoming the leader of the Circle. Gonegal has now returned to Falkovnia, not with the ambition of a conqueror, but determined to free Falkovnia from Drakov's oppression. Leading a noble cause, he created a shadow insurrection and led this rebel movement against Drakov's rule. While the shadow insurrection is led by a knight with a noble purpose, other group of rebels in Falkovnia are driven by pain and hatred against the Falkovnian army. Made up of Falkovnian inhabitants who have grown tired of the abuse by the military, the free men of Falkovnia use guerrilla tactics to undermine the army's power, free slaves, and gain their revenge on Drakov. Its leaders, 
are a portrait of those who lost everything to Dracul's forces. Gregor Kartovic is the founder of this rebellion. Once a peasant, he began to rally this rebellion after seeing his wife and doctor murdered and brutalized by Falkovian soldiers after refusing to hand over a goat to the army. He escaped death, and with nothing left to lose, he went on to inspire and enlist other victims to join the cause. Another prominent figure among the leaders of this movement is Ivan Rabinsky, the brilliant strategist who coordinates the group's attacks. He never talks about his past or family, but is obsessed with destroying Dracov's forces, no matter the cost of sacrifices required. His obsession and angry temper could easily be a liability, if not balanced out by his brilliant, daring and cruel military tactics. The last figure of importance among the freemen of Falkovnia is Lisa, a priestess of Hala. She belonged to one of the Hospices of the Fate, known as the Sisters of Mercy, which was massacred by Falkovnian forces in 750 for offering support and help in an indistinct way to all who sought her. Lisa survived the massacre and joined the freemen of Falkovnia, and today acts as one of their leaders, offering her divine magic and advice to the rebel movement. Many attest that, were it not for Lisa's compassion and wisdom, the movement would have been lost in the very desire for revenge and traumas that its members carry. The massacre of the Sisters of Mercy and other Hala hospices has taken place frequently in Falkovnia. Hala's fate have spread especially in the rural corners of Falkovnia, and the military sees acts of treachery when its practitioners in healing hospices lend aid to anyone deemed to be enemies of the state. The Sisters of Mercy Hospice were massacred in 750, but Rakhal's forces encountered supernatural resistance to defeat one of the main centers of the fate in Falkovnia. The Hospice of the Bowered Heads located in the sinister Vigilia de Mortia forest, guards a relic of the fate, the skull of the seventh, which supposedly belonged to one of the seven original witches who learned directly from Hala. When Falkovian military forces try to invade and massacre this hospice, rumor says that the skull of the seventh rose in the air and invoked a powerful, su and invoked a powerful supernatural plague against Drakov's soldiers. Since then, Drakov has left this hospice of bowed heads in peace, though he keeps a constant watch on the Hala priests who inhabit it. Another center of Hala's fate that met a dire end was the Monastery of the Sisters of Grace. The monastery housed numerous priestesses of Hala, but all were brutally murdered by Mala after receiving a visit from the unholy after receiving a visit from the unholy gentleman Kala. Mala received the mysterious traveler at the monastery when we arrived on a stormy night and provided him with lodging. As she stared into his eyes, she was possessed by the supernatural power of the entity, and they secretly spent several nights together in the monastery. Mala was totally dominated by the gentleman Kala, and began to make plans to run away with this enigmatic stranger, 
when she discovered that the entity has also seduced and slept with other sisters of the monastery. Mala, in despair, prayed for strength to overcome this betrayal and searched for a dagger. The gentleman Kala heard her pleas and told her that he would grant her bloody wish. Revealing his true form, he encircled her with his bat wings, and Mala cried out in despair. When the monastery sisters came to her aid, they found her head severed from her body and floating in the air. All priestesses were murdered by Mahla, who had become a Penangalan. Now, during the day, Mala appears to be a beautiful young woman, but at night, her head detaches from her body in search of blood. She still lives in the monastery of the Sisters of Grace, alone and abandoned, where her headless body lies every night. Falkovnia's wilderness areas also hide other mysteries in addition to its bands of rebels and insurgents. Mythical and legendary creatures inhabit the darkest corners of its forests and hills, and monsters such as dangerous griffons and hippogriffs, manticores, ancacs, basilisks and weavers can be found by dedicated hunters. Since the Grand Conjunction, the fauna of Falconia is suffering from a strange plague, and black bulbs and deformities have covered the bodies of some animals. The real cause of this plague is the corrupting force of a creature known as the Green Maiden. The Green Maiden is an extraplanar monstrosity conjured by a deceased sorcerer from the madness of the Far Realm to the lands of Falconia. This monstrous creature of inconceivable purpose now roams Falconia and its touch has spread an infection among the Falkovnian fauna, creating strange black bulbs and deformities in the animals. She took the form of a beautiful woman as she wandered through Falkovnia, and those who behold her are attracted by her beauty, until they glimpse the horror of her true form and become blinded or even die in the face of this horrendous sight. Another aberration created by master falconers and bizarre experiments made by Drakkar's forces is a breed of falcon called the Zwife Falk. These strange and enormous birds of prey have two heads and have been trained as dangerous instruments of hunting and attack, being known for their brutal ability to gorge the eye out of their unsuspecting victims. Falkovnia's cities are also home to many horrible secrets. Their cities are usually surrounded by high stone walls, but they suffer from overcrowding. Its inhabitants are squeezed into cramped buildings and much of its streets are unpaved, its muddy paths filled with filth and dirt. Curiously, most Falkovian cities have ancient and large sewer networks and underground chambers and tunnels, but no one knows who is responsible for building these structures. The existence of these wild tunnels is responsible for the urban legends of the shadow cities, and Falkovnian folklore is rich in horrors that dwell in these tunnels and underground layers. Silbergos, known as the Jewel of Falkovnia, is the beautiful city on the banks of the great lake Krigogel. Built on a rocky elevation, it has a slightly more elegant architecture than other cities in Falkovnia. 
Rokov maintained in his lands his summer palace, Silverkov, in the highest part of the city. The place is known for its luxurious halls, where numerous members of the Rokov family inhabited the court. Inside, there is a macabre courtyard, built with special acoustics and filled with stakes, where Drakov usually dines to the sound of violins while watching executions by impediment. Residents of Subervas claim that the caves and forests surrounding the city are home to many bats, which can be seen flying around at nightfall. Some attest that there are lycanthrope monstrosities also flying in their mists. Horrors also lurk in the Bottomlands Lake Grigvogel. In the year 741, a creature called the Grey Worm rose from the lake, destroying countless ships. The gigantic and monstrous eel was not content to attack in the waters and began to destroy the port area until it was driven back by the military to return to the bottomless of the lake. Since then, city dwellers and sailors have looked to these blue waters with fear in their hearts. The city of Aelia is located further south and can perhaps be considered the most cosmopolitan Falkovian city. Benefiting from the constant presence of merchants and caravans from Borka and Southern Kingdoms. Despite this cosmopolitan influence, the city's stud Führer, Igor Feigen, has stood out for his cruelty and inventiveness. Appointed by Drakov to administer Irie, he has created new and sadistic punishments for those who break his orders, and his mutilations and tortures are considered innovative, cruel, and exaggerated even by Falkovian standards. The city of Aire is also known for being home to several mediums and occultists, and many claim that it is home to countless restless spirits. The reason for this strong supernatural activity is attributed to a mountainous pinnacle called Selberhas Aire. This elevation, some 60 feet above the city, is sometimes the scene of strange ghostly lights, and experts say that the site serves as a gateway to the supernatural world, and that restless spirits can enter the world of the living through this spiral of stone. The city also became famous for being home to three mediums of considerable renown throughout the core, who are sought after by those who wish to contact the dead. Silva Winterhast is a friendly medium who receives spirits in her body through a trance and psychographs messages from the deceased. Hildegrim is known for her ability to gain visions through psychic reading of objects, and in the past has accompanied the famous hunter Van Richten on an exploration of an abandoned castle occupied by evil forces. After the death of her husband, the rich widow Fraulein Liberden received the property of the House of Doors, a haunted mansion that holds many passages to the spiritual world. She devotes part of the days to guard the mansion and help the lost spirits to find their way. These three mediums created and lead a secret society of sensitives, the Veiled Palm and through mystical means communicate with a network of mediums spread across the land of the mists. They offer mystical support to those who need their help, help spread a better understanding of their gifts, 
work to dissipate fraudulent mediums, who damage their mediums' image or use their gifts in corrupt ways. Near the city of Aire, we can find the ruins of the village of Delmunster. Abandoned after a strange tragedy in 737, records from a local astronomer prove that a small comet hit the Karloff mansion on the outskirts of town. The mysterious comet descended from the sky and brought a dark threat to the city. Yuri Karloff, the nobleman who had inherited those lands, went crazy after the contact with the comet radiation. But the comet also brought to the city a doppelganger plant, which started to attack the city, dominating its inhabitants. Through its pods, it fed on the energy of its victims, while taking control of their bodies. Gradually, it replaced the townspeople with podlings, mentally enslaved to the plant. The otherworldly monstrosity was destroyed by a group of adventurers but the entire population of the city of Delmunster was wiped out by the plant, as was the Hospice of the Dole, a sacred center of the fate of Hala. To this day, the fear that some part of the plant survived in the woods caused the region to be avoided, and Delmunster has become a ghost town. Going up east of Falkovnia, we reach Morfenzi, or the Butcherburg, as it's known. Once an important trading post with the lands of Gehenna. After the Grand Conjunction, the city lost its contact with this domain. Now, those who cross the city walls and gates to follow the West Timori Road only reach an abandoned fort on the edge of the abyss of the Shadow Rift. The region is known for its livestock activity, and the city has a tradition in the production of many animal byproducts with breeding farms, tanneries and butcheries that supply the entire Falkovnian nation with the best animals, meat and leatherwork. As a tribute to its strong tradition in animal breeding and slaughter, numerous animal idols can be found adorning homes and squares. The residue of this production generates a considerable amount of dung and blood that runs down its streets until it reaches its sewers which do not seem to support the volume of waste from the already overpopulated city. The stench of slaughterhouses and tanneries has attracted strange creatures to this location. Urban legends tells of the Dark Lurker, a humanoid-shaped beast that appears to inhabit the city sewers. Other reports point to strange luminescent tentacles that sometimes escape their drains to drag something into the sewers. The most gruesome legend associated with Morfenzi, however, is the sinister Morfenzi murders, so classified by the famous detective Alanik Ray, after investigating the bizarre crimes committed by its inhabitants. These murders are marked by cruelty, brutality and total lack of motivation and do not necessarily need to take place in Morfenzi, although they are always carried out by people who once resided in this city. In the most recent of these crimes, a native Morfenzi soldier, serving at a post in Silbervas, murdered and decapitated 24 of his fellow sleeping soldiers in the barracks overnight, making a steal from the remains of his comrades to distribute to the city's poor. 
The truth about these murders is that Morfenzi is home to a secret club of assassins, known as the Lust Mord. This group of assassins have come together attracted by their lust for death and are dedicated to exploring the pleasures and thrills of taking a life. The band is secretly a demonic cult and they are influenced by Sivziet's Schattenderton, whose name translates as the deeper darkness of death, a tenebrous incorporeal entity, who appears only as a mass of darkness with two floating red eyes. Feeding on disgrace, pain and death, this entity marks the members of the Lust Mord and corrupts their souls, fueling the adrenaline and pleasure they get from the act of killing, so they can commit even more grotesque and violent murders in its name. Arriving further north, near the border of Darkon and the city of Stagengard, we find a small village known as the Gratian Falls, near a waterfall of the same name. This quiet rural village has become known as the entry point into the mists of an unholy extraplanar horror. Through the investigation of Tasha Weaverson diary, Dr. Hudo van Richten tells us a tragic case of demonic transposition. Young Ami Weaverson, devoid of beauty and physical gifts, and desperate to find love, somehow invited a demon into this world. Surrendering into demonic temptation, she began to attack other beautiful and young women in her village, disfiguring their faces. Her sister's diary reveals with horror how Amy seemed to engage in these violent acts against other women as she became more and more beautiful and seemed to be possessed by another personality. Ultimately, Amy's body was completely taken over by the succubus Elzapath, a creature that has since then wreaked havoc and chaos across the Land of the Mists. Von Richten's studies point that Elzapath is imprisoning souls of those she seduces and corrupt into porcelain dolls, but somehow remain aware of their torments and eternal damnation at the hands of the demon. At the northern end of Falkomia, we come to the great city of Stagengard, the most militarized of Falkovian cities. Due to its proximity to the border with Darkon, the city is always taken over by military forces, and is also home to the main military academy of Falkovia. The city has numerous walls and gates, constantly patrolled by soldiers, and some sectors of the city are restricted solely and exclusively to the military. Despite this constant visual by its soldiers, some mystery can still be found within its walls. One of Stagengard's most intriguing buildings is the Towers of Horns. These towers have been closed for years and no one opens its bronze doors, but every hour you can hear the horns blast on its top, marking the passage of time. In one of its districts is a warehouse that also hides another mystery, a strange machinery called just the gear. This complex and intricate mechanism is at work, like a clock with a known purpose. Some claim that it is the construction of an eccentric inventor. Others theorize that it is a prison for a demonic creature, or that the mechanism marks time and point to the arrival of a great cataclysm, 
and others that is a dormant mechanical golem. The city is home to numerous veterans from the Dead Man's campaign. In recent times, a few veterans have been found mysteriously dead, with the blood in their veins thick and blackened. Authorities refuse to recognize such death as murders, and ominous rumors claim that the soldiers brought an entity or curse with them when they returned from Darkon. Amid whispers, many veterans claim to have visions of a macabre entity that pursues them, the Jitter Man, a recurring haunt of the town is the beggar Jimmy Upton. In the past, he could be seen around the city, but those who toss him a coin or touch him realize that the young man is incorporeal. Many flee from his presence, but the truth is that Jimmy is not an apparition, but a living man, who made the mistake of stealing a cursed amulet, a restant folly, which allowed him to live forever, but made him immaterial. Stagengar is also the final resting place of countless military personnel. Many of them are buried in cemeteries with identical tombstones, creating a macabre and vast labyrinth of graves. The noble Oberhost family have their properties around the city, and they kindly give up part of their lands to house the numerous military cemeteries. However, this kindness is accompanied by many rumors that the family is actually composed of necromancers or even ghouls who take advantage of this large number of corpses. Finally, we reach the capital of Falkovnia, the great city of Lekar. Falkovnia's grand capital is on the shores of the Vuka river, but the passage of boats can be controlled by the imposing Drakipetri castle, whose drawbridge spans the navigable length of the river. The city is organized into multiple districts around the same square, where scaffolds are permanently exposed for gallows, decapitations and other methods of execution. And throughout the city, it is possible to see impaled bodies that serve as an example for the population. Ominous rumors of vampire attacks have alarmed the population of Lekar and soldiers have acted drastically to try to combat the presence of these undead creatures. However, these monsters have managed to evade the hunt of Falkovnian soldiers. The soldiers' searches are fruitless as they look for the wrong kind of predators. It is not vampires, blood-drinking undead creatures that hunt the Knight of Lekar, but vampires, deadly humanoids, identical to human in almost every aspect but who have become predators of their own kind to feed on the blood of humans. Vampires aren't undead and don't have the same weaknesses as vampires. They can easily transit during the day and hide in plain sight amidst the population. The leader of this band is Vladimir Ludwig and he dominates the slums of Lekar. Vladimir comes from a distant world where vampires once ruled humanity, but was forced to flee after an insurrection of the human slaves. Passing through a portal, he emerged in the city of Lekar, and soon he and other vampires united in a secret cabal. Always dressed in elegant clothes, the attractive Vladimir commands a network of vampires who have secret paths through the underground city. 
under his leadership, the population of Lekar vampires has grown, and to avoid the number of bodies his group would leave behind, he created feeding houses, underground hideouts, where people are kidnapped and kept as slaves to be used as blood supplies or to serve perversions of their captors, who become more and more degenerate and depraved. The Falkovnian soldiers' search for vampires ended up discovering another type of creature in the underground of Lekar. The Dark Men are deformed humanoids that once were men, who after strange experiments had their bodies deformed to acquire animal traits. Perhaps their existence in the Lekar tunnels is the fruit of sinister experiments conducted by Dr. Vjorn Horstman, Falkovnian Minister of Science. Lekar, the capital of Falkovnia, is Vlad Drakov's seat of power, and where most of his ministers and talons can be found. Vlad Drakov's throne is in Drakipetri Castle, an impregnable fortress situated on an island in the center of the river Vukar, accessible only by a secret port or through a heavy guarded bridge. The stone walls of this fortress hide terrible horrors and keep the memory of torture, abuse and death committed within. In its halls live the aged but vigorous Drakov and his main court, composed almost exclusively of high-ranked soldiers and his various bastard sons. Immediately below the King Führer Vlad Rakov, in the military hierarchy, are his five ministers, who act in the administration of various aspects of the kingdom, through the Ministry of Science, the Ministry of Arcane, the Ministry of Finance and Commerce, the Ministry of Intelligence, and the Ministry of Central Prison. The Ministry of Finance and Trade is led by Yarden Kovtmokan and determines the taxation and trade agreements, having a crucial position to sustain the state machine. The competence of this minister is one of the strengths of the Falkovnian government, which, despite so many political enemies, knew how to take advantage of Falkovnia's central position for the continent trade, to negotiate the grain production in the kingdom, and to establish commercial enclaves in foreign territories to expand the Falkovnian influence. The Ministry of Intelligence is led by Kalon Well, who commands reconnaissance, espionage and counterintelligence operations. This ministry has taken advantage of the commercial enclaves established by the Ministry of Finance and Commerce as a means of infiltrating spies among Falkovnian merchants, and recently it has also infiltrated undercover soldiers among the population in order to discover the refuge and hideouts of the insurgent groups. The Arcane Ministry is Drakov's reluctant concession to the advantage of using magic in warfare and is led by Mikhail Drakov, one of the bastard sons of the King Führer. Currently, this ministry controls the use of arcane magic in Falkovnia, which is only considered legal if practitioners present themselves to the ministry for registration, pledge allegiance to Drakov, and stand ready to be called into service at any time. The ministry is established in the Radiant Tower, 
a mysterious building that emerged in Laka after a misty night. The deplorable and leaning tower once housed an independent school of magic, but it also hid a group of assassins known as the Ebonfold, who collected souls in crystals and were led by a necromancer named Ladislas in the service of Azarin Rex. After the purge of these invaders, Drakov confiscated the tower for the state, and established the Ministry of Arcane there, where new mages are trained in his service. Investigations of the structure revealed that the tower has access to underground levels of crypts and rooms for powerful necromantic magic and rituals. The Ministry of Science is one of the most important in Drakov's government, and is responsible for the development of complex war machines, devastating weapons, and the improvement of soldiers. Its leader is the scientist Dr. Jorn Horstmann, a brilliant and mad scientist and doctor from a traditional family in Falkovnia. Jorn Horstmann's brilliance is only surpassed by his lack of ethics. After the military captured a small girl infected with lycanthropy decades ago, he carried out countless experiments and tortures on the girl, seeking a way to replicate the effects of her transformation. His research resulted in the development of the Primal Serum, a substance that once ingested or injected into an individual, will immediately subject their body to a painful transformation into an enraged lycanthrope monster, a raging killing machine. These effects last for an hour, when the individual returns to normal form. The doctor has already been able to replicate several lycanthropy phenotypes, and now he is studying a way to create a non-mammalian beasts, such as rare sharks and rare crocodiles. The central prison sent him countless subjects for his experiments, and the results of his failed attempts are dumped in the city series to die. Some survivors, deformed creatures with partial transformation into freak animals, continue to haunt Lekar sewers and are called the Dark Men. Perhaps the most powerful and feared of these ministers is Vigo Drakov, the head of the Ministry of Central Prison, who enforces internal civil obedience in Falkovnia and administer the fate of the countless slaves and prisoners who are destined for the dungeons. The Central Prison Ministry is located south of Lekar, and the Central Prison Building occupies three large wings designated to house prisoners awaiting punishment, slaves and gladiators. Gladiators receive minimally adequate treatment, but the rest are crammed into dank, dark small cells and often subjected to cold and starvation in their dungeons. Torture rooms abound in this building, which is surrounded by impaled prisoners. Drakov believed Vigo to be one of his own blood, his son, with a woman prisoner of Pistani heritage, held captive decades ago as Drakov's personal slave. He is his favorite among his bastard sons. But the truth can be even darker. Vigo's mother is probably Isabel Adere, who remained for a long time a slave of Vlad Drakov, and who escaped from prison carrying Drakov's doctor in her womb, 
The Dangerous Dark Lord of Nvidia, Gabriel Adere. Vigo was the first child of Isabelle and was born in the cells of the prison during his mother's captivity. However, Vigo's real father is not Drakov, but a faceless gentleman who mysteriously invaded Isabelle's cells one night. Possibly the fiend known as the Gentleman Caller. Below these ministers, personally chosen by Vlad Rakov, is the entire chain of military hierarchy, counting the soldiers, officers and dreaded talons. The talons of the Hawk are Drakov's most experienced and fiercest soldiers, whose loyalty and experience have been amply tested. These soldiers are given full stylized armor that invokes terror in their enemies, with helmets that resemble the beaks of birds of prey. Ever since the defeat he suffered in the Demonry Annexation campaign, when countless of his highest ranked soldiers mysteriously fell under the influence of some supernatural effect to betray and desert the army, the Ministry of Arcane has created a magical artifact to bolster their loyalty. Upon being promoted to the rank of Talon, the soldiers undergo a promotion ceremony, where they drink a strange black liquid from a cup, whose mysterious formula is known only to Vlad Drakov. They are then given their ornate armor and helmets, as well as a pair of bracelets, which once clasped in their fists can no longer be removed. These artifacts imbue the Talons with greater confidence and make them more cunning to sense the motivation of their enemies, but they also bewitch them to make them loyal to Drakov, making the merit of betrayal painful to these soldiers. Inside a cave, in a deep forest in Falkovnia, we exchange secrets about this cruel nation with the rebels of the free men of Falkovnia. This exchange of secrets about our enemies is interrupted by a brutal attack by soldiers, led by the Talons of the Hawk. One of the slaves who had been freed with us was a spy for Derkov, and the haven of the free men of Falkovnia was discovered. We try to fight back or flee as best as we can, but soon we find ourselves surrounded and doomed. Quick death does not await us and after being brutally beaten and caged, we are taken to the dreaded and macabre central prison. We remain in a dark cell for a while, but soon we are dragged into a torture chamber. Unspeakable agonies await us in the hands of Vigo Drakov, as he tries to extract from us the secrets of the insurgent rebels. Amidst the pain and suffering, the Minister of Central Prison treats us with disturbing intimacy and claims that if we do not share what we know, we will have the honor of attending dinner with the glorious King Fuhrer Vlad Rakov. To torment us and mess with our psyche, he begins to recount his father's grotesque exploit as a scare tactic. Join us, subscribe to this channel and activate notifications and bear these ordeals with us as we hear from Vigor Drakov the macabre story and secrets of the cruel Vlad Drakov, the Dark Lord of Falkovnia. <laughs>